Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for this morning. I thank you because I know you're moving in this place. I thank you for this worship moment. I thank you, Father, because Conquer Conference are for those who want to conquer their generation, are for those who want to conquer right now, are for those who know and believe that they were called for such a time as this. It's not years ago. It's not years to come, but it's right now, Father. And we want to conquer our cities, our schools, our jobs, our families to you, Christ. So I pray today in Jesus' name that you may move in us and through us, that we may become they may become channels and agents of revival wherever we go, Father. We are called to do what you call us to do. So I pray for hearts willing to surrender. I pray, I pray for hearts that are open and ready to receive what you have to say this morning. So I pray, Lord, and speak here this morning. Release your words in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So, so I want to start reading this verse. There is a passage in the Bible that, thank you. There is a passage in the Bible in Ephesians uh, 3.1. You, you don't need to project yet. So Paul is in this moment. It's okay. Paul is in this moment. He is in a prison. He is a prisoner of Rome. You can project the verse, sorry. He's a prisoner of Rome, and, and he is in this moment writing to the church of Ephesus. He's writing to the Ephesians, and he's saying, look, I am a prisoner, and he is a prisoner of Rome. And at this moment in history, they have this emperor called Nero. This guy is crazy. He's just crazy. He was so afraid of leadership that he killed his mother, his wife, and his sister. And he was setting Rome on fire because he wanted to build the foundations of Rome with his face carved in every pillar. So this guy is just a, teen, a brat teenager. He's crazy. He's angry. He has no, no understanding of leadership and authority. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to destroy Rome and rebuild with my face in every wall, in every place that you see. That's what this guy is doing. And at this moment, he begins to set Rome on fire. So now Rome is on fire because of this young guy who's crazy, who has nothing to do with his life. He decides to do as he wants, and he sets Rome on fire. And by doing so, now the council, the senate, wants to summon him and kill him because of what he has done. So they want to send him to prison and kill this guy. You know, hey, what you're doing is wrong. So you know what Nero does? He says, you know, it's not my fault. These are the Christians. The Christians are setting Rome on fire. So that's Nero's plan to, to get out. You know what? It's not my fault. It's, it's the Christians. They, they are the ones to blame. So at this moment, Nero is blaming the Christians, and he comes up with a great idea you know what? It's Paul. Paul is the leader of the Christians. It's his fault. He should be the one going to prison, not me. So at this moment, they get Paul and they throw him in prison. So that's what's happening right now. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians saying, hey, I am in prison at this moment. I am in prison. He's saying, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you. Amen. Hallelujah. So can you imagine this? At this moment, Paul, Paul is writing from prison that he is a prisoner. And he's trying to, to tell the Ephesians, to, 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 tell, to tell them, hey, it's okay that I am in prison. Don't, don't worry. Don't give up on the gospel. Don't give up on preaching because they were afraid. They, they, were, they were fearing that something would happen. So at this moment, he's writing to them and he says, I am a prisoner of Rome. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that he's a prisoner of Rome. Paul is not saying that he's a prisoner of Nero. Paul is not saying that he's in the hands of Rome. 
Paul is saying, I am a prisoner of Christ. Amen, church. So you need to understand this, that sometimes your state doesn't, doesn't mean it's your identity. Because you are a prisoner of something, or you feel like you are, we are in this world right now, but we are not from the world. You know, you are in your school, in the culture that we are right now, but you are not prisoner of culture. You are a prisoner, you know, you are in this family, in this broken situation, but you are not a prisoner of brokenness. You might be sick right now, you might feel depressed, but you are not prisoner of depression. Your marriage might be falling apart, but you're not prisoner of divorce. You understand what I'm saying, church? You are not prisoner of your sin, of your temptation. You are not a prisoner of these things, even though you might feel like you are in this place. I am in in prison in Rome, but I'm not a prisoner of Nero. And I'm not going to write this. I'm not going to write I'm a prisoner of Rome. I'm going to write I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm a prisoner of Christ. Amen. You understand this? So by saying this, Paul is saying something as well. You know, Paul is saying that he is a prisoner. And prisoner in this moment means desmios, described as a person who is bound, linked to, or captive to someone else. Paul was not bound or captive of Nero, by Nero, but he was bound to the Lord. His identity and character were linked to Christ and not to Rome. Amen, church. The apostle who wrote so many times in the Bible, it's for freedom. The Christ set us free. The apostle who wrote, it's by grace alone. The apostle who wrote, you are free and free indeed, is saying right now that I am a prisoner. Does that make sense for you? Because when I was reading this, I was meditating. I was thinking, thinking, and thinking. I was saying, Jesus, how can he be free and a prisoner at the same time? You know, I, I want you to think with me. What does he mean when he says he's, a, he's, he's for freedom that Christ set him free? And now he's saying that he's a prisoner of that Christ that set him free. I was just thinking about this. You know, you know Paul is actually saying that because he's free, he chose to be a prisoner. The only ones who are truly free are the ones who can choose who to obey, who to submit to. Paul chose to be a prisoner. Amen. The apostle of grace, he declares that it's by, by, by faith alone, that the righteous, the, we are righteous by faith and nothing else. He's saying, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Amen. So what does it mean to be a prisoner? A prisoner is someone who has no options. Prisoners, you don't choose when you're going to eat. You don't choose when you're going to go out. You don't choose what you're going to do every single day. You don't have a schedule. Prisoners, you don't have an agenda. Prisoners, you don't have a saying. I know that sounds harsh and hard for some of us and mainly for the younger generation. But I, I have a voice. I want to say what I think. You can say what you think. It's okay. But when you choose to be a prisoner of Christ, you can say only what Christ is saying. You know what I'm saying? So prisoners, they have no saying. Can I tell you something? When we were coming up with this conference, some of us, we had the freedom or the idea of freedom to choose if they were going to be here, if they were going to come to this conference. Can I tell you something? Me, Carlos, Pastor Raph, some of the leaders here, we, we were never given an option. You know why we're never given an option? Because we chose to be prisoners of Christ. We chose to be prisoners of Vine Church. We chose to submit to the Lord and serve this city and serve this church. We chose. And at this moment... Paul is not saying that Jesus made him a prisoner. You can leave the verse one up there the whole time. It's okay. 
Paul is not saying, Jesus made me a prisoner. No, Paul is saying, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. I'm choosing to be a prisoner. I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to submit. I'm choosing to follow Christ. You know, some of us, I feel like if we want to conquer our city, our, our, our families, we need to choose today to be prisoners of Christ. Because we're allowing other things to dictate and lead us, our finances, our families, our, you know, culture itself, social media, whatever it is for you right now that is taking you as prisoner. If it is a sin, I'm inviting you today to let that go and become a prisoner of Christ this morning. You know, some people, they would say to me, hey, I am single and I am free. I can do whatever I want. But you, you are a prisoner of your wife. You have no freedom. And I look at them and I say, I have no freedom? Brother, I can do much more things than you can right now. I can truly enjoy my life. I'm building something with the person that I love. You know, I can do things that you cannot do right now because otherwise that would be a sin or that would harm you or that girl. But because I'm so free, because I chose to be a captive of Rebecca, I enjoy my life. I have so much fun. For the married people in the house, they know this. Marriage is not easy, but it's fun. No relationship is easy. I'm so sorry. You and your boss, you know, sometimes you have hard times as well. You and your parents, you and your family, there's always battles, you know, and, and problems. But can I tell you something? We solve them. We understand each other. We learn how to love. We learn how to show grace. We learn how to forgive. We grow. Amen, church. So pay attention. I'm a prisoner of Rebecca by choice. One day she conquered my heart. One day I conquered her heart. And I chose. I said, you know what? I'm, I don't want any other woman, only you. I don't want to do anything else with nobody. I don't want to travel with Carlos. I don't want to stay until 2 a.m. whatever time, wake, woke, 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 woken up with Carlos. I want to go to sleep with you. That's what I want to do. Amen. Amen. So I chose to be a prisoner of her. But for some people... Being a prisoner of someone else means that you, are, that you don't have any freedom. I have much more freedom than most single people do. And single people, sometimes I, 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 I'm praying for you that you may find someone as well. Because I know it's hard. I know this struggle. It's amazing when you build life with someone else. But also enjoy the season that you're in. Amen. Don't rush into anything. When Carlos said 2 a.m. in the morning, we were having fun as well. We traveled. We did so many things. But understand this. Marriage is not a prison. Marriage is a place that you enjoy. It's a garden. It's a place that you build. It's a place that fruits will come. We are much more fruitful now that we are married than when we're single. I'm so sorry. I had no money when I was single. I was broken. Me and Carlos, we were trying to survive. And we are growing so much. Can I tell you something? This, what you call prison, I call freedom. What you call prison, I call purpose. I call calling. Amen. Now, as a prisoner of my wife, I get to enjoy her. I get to enjoy my best friend. Paul became a prisoner by choice. Paul was a free slave. How can you be free and a slave at the same time? That's how Paul was. He was free and he was also a slave. He was also a prisoner of Christ. It was not anymore about Paul's desires and wants. Can I tell you something? You are not a prisoner of self. You are not a prisoner of yourself, of your desires, of your wants, of what you want to do. You are a prisoner of Christ. 
Paul is saying that his wants and his desires, his agenda doesn't matter anymore. It's not about Paul. It's about, it's about Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what Paul is saying. It has nothing to do with my plans, God. It has nothing to do with my ideas, my dreams, the things that I want to do. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen, church. Amen. You understand that today. You are not a prisoner of yourself. But some of us, we allow ourselves to be prisoner of self. And we do what we want to do. And then you harm yourself. And then you get hurt. And then something bad happens. And you say, why is, why is this happening? Because you're doing your own will. You're doing your own way. And you always get hurt if you keep trying to do that. So can I ask you something? If it's not working, give up. And go ask God what he wants you to do. If you don't see purpose, if you don't see fruit, give up. Go ask God what he wants you to do. Amen. I'm going to ask you something today. And when I ask you this, please understand me. I really want to ask you this. Give up on your dreams. Give up on your plans. Stop dreaming your own dreams. And today ask God what is his dreams for you. Can I tell you something? I had my own plans. But I could never have dreams or thought that God would do the things that he's doing today. Never, ever. On my best plans, I never thought that God would bless me and give me the things that I have, the family that I have, the wife, the kids that I have. I will not, I will not exchange them for anything. You know, some people think that buying amazing things and having money, whatever, it's, it's life. No, everyone has money sometimes. You know, everyone has the, the feeling of having something. But the best thing that you can have is people around you. You can have material things, but if you don't have people to enjoy them with you, if you don't have people around you, if you don't have your family, nothing else matters. But as single people, we, th we tend to plan our lives without the people. We tend to plan, I'll become a doctor. There's no person, there's no wife, there's no kids. We tend to plan, I'm going to buy something, I'm going to do this, I'm going to travel the world, but we don't add people. Can I tell you something? Travel the world alone is not fun. You won't enjoy life. I'm so sorry. You won't have as much fun as you think. Me and Carlos in traveling, you know, like, we, I remember we would uh, 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 drive up to, to Washington, D.C. on a broken van with 12 other people. We had so much fun. It was crazy. Car was breaking, falling apart, but we had fun. No money can pay what we felt and what, how we enjoy ourselves at that moment. And some of us, we are building things but forgetting the people around us because our dreams are too selfish sometimes. So stop dreaming your dreams because Romans 12, 2, the will of God is good and pleasing and perfect. The will of God, it's good, acceptable, and perfect. So I tell God every single day, God, don't let me be good on something that you never called me to be good at. Don't let me be successful in something that I'm not called to do. Amen. You know, imagine if you are really good at something, and one day you meet Jesus, and Jesus tells you, I never called you to do that. What I had for you was greater, was better. But you did what you want to do. It's okay. And you enjoy yourself in somehow, but it's not, there's no fulfillment. There's no real life. Can I say something? Stop dreaming your dream. Today, give up. Say, God, I had all these plans, but I want to know what you want me to do. If you want to conquer, if you want to conquer our city, our families, our church, you know, you know the people around us, 
We need to know what God wants us to do. We got to stop doing things on our own. Amen, church. So I tell God, God, don't let me be successful in things that you never called me to do. You know why? Because as soon as you become successful in something that God never called you to do, you might become a prisoner of that thing. You know, how many people have seen, they were called for ministry, but they became successful business owners. Now the business itself was draining them. Oh, but I'm making money and I'm able to bless people around the world. And God was saying, I want you to go around the world. And some people, they are trying to be ministry. They want to go be missionaries. And God is saying, I'm calling you to be a nurse, a doctor. So sometimes we want to do things that we are not called to do because we think that our plans are better. What we have dreamed is better. Can I tell you something? It's not. It's not better. And the reason why sometimes you don't find fulfillment is just because we are doing our own. I have faced this so many times, and that's why I pray to God, and I say, God, don't let me be good at something that you never called me to do. Don't let me be a great, successful, whatever. Don't let me be good at these things if I'm not called for these things. Amen. I don't want to lose my purpose trying to fulfill my own desires, trying to come up with my own agenda. I don't want to lose my purpose, what God called me to do, trying to, you know, build wealth and buy things for myself. And when I say build wealth, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to build wealth. Build wealth, but I'm saying that God pays better. That's what I'm saying. We can never outgive God. So don't think that your wealth will do something. No, no, no. You can never outgive God. He gave to us first. It's because He gives, now we can give back. So we, under, we need to understand this today that it's not about the things that we are building, it's about us being prisoners of Christ and fulfilling. His calling for our lives. Amen, church. Amen. I want to make this statement, and I hope you understand. And I'm going to say this with all my heart. If today you're not living for God, then you're not living at all. Literally. You're missing now on your purpose, on your calling. Can I tell you something? If I try to use this water bottle right now as a soccer ball, football, a bowling ball, this water bottle will be so useless, so useless, but this water bottle will do things that no soccer ball, no football, no bowling ball is able to do, to hold water, and by holding water, you can satisfy the thirst of someone in the desert, of a preaching in missions, but you cannot score a goal, and it won't be a stadium looking at it. But you will satisfy the thirst of a preacher of the gospel. Can I say something? So many times I see water bottles trying to be soccer balls. And I see soccer balls trying to be water bottles. As soon as you try to fit in into culture and fit in into your school, what, what they're doing, you'll miss out on God's calling for you. You're not calling to fit in. You're calling to stand out. You're called to stand out. You're called to be who God called you to be. You're not called to be like everyone else. You're called something special you're called to change people's lives and being like everybody else is not going to do it amen so Paul is saying if I'm not living for Christ I'm not living at all so I chose to be a prisoner of Christ I, I chose to submit, my, submit myself to the leadership of Christ but look what he says as he follows up verse 1 yeah it's still for this reason I Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you. 
Amen. You need to understand this. When we choose to be prisoners of Christ, we're not saying that it's because of a personal thing. It's for us. No. It's because of, it's because of the people around us. So one day in history, one day in eternity, God looked at your family. God looked at your school. God saw your job, your partners, the people that work with you. God saw this, the place that you go, and he noticed that there was darkness. He noticed that there was sin. He noticed that there was brokenness. He noticed that there was a, a failure. So he made you. And he said, I'm going to send you to this place because you're called for these people. So Paul is saying, Ephesians, I'm a prisoner of Christ on behalf of you. We are prisoners of Christ on behalf of our family, on behalf of our, of our city, on behalf of our schools, on behalf of the friends that we have. You know what that means? When you make a decision to be or not to be a prisoner of Christ, it's not, what's at stake is not you. It's not you fulfilling your calling. So when we make a decision, when Pastor Raph made a decision to move to Fort Myers, what was at stake was not his personal family life, whatever. No, it was my life. It was the youth that, we, that you see here today. So when you make a decision to be a prisoner of Christ, you're not making it for yourself. You're saying, because of these people, I also gotta be, I have to become a prisoner of Christ. So of course, it is for you at first. You make that decision. You choose. But now you got to think of the people around you. So think about these people. Look at the people in this city. Look at your family. You, sometimes you might see suffering. Sometimes you might see hurt. And when you see these things, know that you're called to change them. Know that you're called to bless them. Know that you're called for the people of this city. Amen. For your family. Hallelujah. So some of us, we might think, you know, ah, God called me because, I don't know, I'm special. Because I have, I, I, I have skills. Because I can preach. Because, I, I'm, because I, I, I'm cute. Can I tell you something? God never chose you because you're cute, because you're nice, because you sing good, because you preach good, because you know you have something special. God never called you because you're special. God called you for people. That's why God called you. God made you for a people. God created you for a people, to preach for a group of people. The people at your school, the people at your job, your family. God made you for these people. Amen. So you are prisoner of Christ right now on behalf of these people. We are channels of God. We are agents of revival for our city. Yeah. You know, God, he, he, didn't, he didn't call us 10 years ago or 10 years from now. He called you now. You are here now. You don't want to miss this, what God is doing in us and through you. Amen, church. You know, understand this. When you go places, you might be the only Bible that some people will read. You might not have the book in your hands. You might not take the Bible. You might not have the app. Your phone might be dead. You might be the only Bible that people read. You know, one day, Francis of Assis, he said this, preach the gospel all the time and, and when needed, use words. Preach the gospel by being yourself, by living life, and when necessary, use words. You know, the best preaching is your, is your attitude, is your actions. The best preaching of the gospel is you being kind. It's when people look at you and say, why are you like this? 
Why are you so different? You know, when I come to work, to school, everybody else is so angry. They hate life. But you, there's a joy. There's a passion. There's a love that I don't see any other place. What is wrong with you? That's what they will say. And that's the moment you use words. You say, Christ. It's Jesus. It's because of Jesus. You know, at your job, people will find Jesus through you, not because you preach the gospel, but because the way you behave, because the way you are. People should come to you and ask these questions. People could, should come to you. People should wonder. People should think about you and, and be mad because they see something in you that they don't have. And that's when you preach the gospel with words. You know, Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So I say, be imitators of Christ all the time. Be this Bible that people read. Even when you don't have the book, even when you don't have the app on your phone, it's not working, whatever. Be this Bible. Be the person. Be Jesus on earth. Amen. You can preach the gospel always and never use words. People will see Christ in you when you become a prisoner of Christ. When you let go of this freedom that you have. You, you know when people tell me that they're free in the world, they tell me I'm free, I can do whatever I want. And I tell them, so I want to see you choose to be a prisoner of Christ and not do the things that you're doing right now. They stop for a week, for a month, but they can't because they're a prisoner of their addiction. They're a prisoner of their finances. They're a prisoner of, of whatever, of culture. They cannot stop doing those things because they have not yet become a prisoner of Christ. And that's what I'm calling you to do today. Verse 2, Paul says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. You need to understand this. You can only give what you have first received. Grace of God was given to us, like Paul is saying, for these people that I just told you. For your family, for your school, for the people around you that you know. God's grace was given to you for these people. And now 1 Corinthians 15, 10, Paul says, By His grace, but His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Can I say something? Some people, they say that when Paul is saying this, they say, you know what? Making grace in vain is, is, um, is literally not fulfilling God's calling. Making grace in vain is not responding to God. You know, for me, making grace in vain is trying to fulfill God's calling without God. Simple as that. That's how we make, we make grace in vain. You know, try to fulfill God's calling without grace, without God. On your own, it's impossible. You will burn out. You will hurt, you will hurt yourself. So when something happens right now, we're preparing a conference. You know, I, me and Pastor, we're working so, you know, like crazy around the clock. Carlos, the leaders, we're working like crazy. Can I tell you something? If something happens, breaks, I'm not going to lose myself and get stressed out. Oh, my God, it's not working. No. We rest in the Lord and we say, God, is by your grace. If this cannot be fixed in the next 20 seconds, it's okay. I'm not going to struggle. Literally, you work by grace. Otherwise, you get anxiety. You get depressed. You, 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 get, you go crazy. Because dealing with people is not easy. I'm telling you. I know. Being a life group leader is not easy. Leading life group. Expecting that people show up and never show up is not easy. That's why when no one shows up, you still pray because God is there. Holy Spirit is there. Jesus is there. 
No one came to life group. No, there's always someone there. His name is Jesus. Sometimes we miss the point and we say, no one came, no one's here. No, Jesus is there. Can I tell you something? That's the moment we miss Jesus. You know, Jesus went to his hometown and people did not receive from him because they did not recognize and honor the man that he was, son of God. As a life group leader, as a leader in our church, never miss Jesus in your meetings. Never miss Jesus in your household. Never miss Jesus. Imagine the woman of the well at this moment. She received grace. Now I'm going back to my message. She received the grace. She received grace. Like Paul is saying, the grace was given to me because of you. This grace was given to me because of you. So at this moment, the woman at the well, she meets Jesus. She receives this grace. She receives grace, salvation. Her life is changed. You know what happens next? She understands that she did not receive grace for herself, but for the people in this city. So she goes and preaches, and the whole city finds Jesus. As soon as we understand this, that the grace of God was given to us, not for ourselves, but for the people in our city, for our families, revival will come down. Revival will come down. You know why some of us don't preach the gospel, don't go out there and try to convince people and, and preach as much as we can and pray and pray and pray for people? Because we still think it's about ourselves. It's not about ourselves. As soon as you became a church, as soon as, soon as, you're, as soon as you got saved and you are now in this church, you belong to this household, to this home, you're called for the people in this city. You're called for the outside. That's what Ecclesia means. We're called for the outside. Amen. Now let's go to the last verse, and I, I, I want to finish with this. Ephesians 3.3, Paul is saying, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Pay attention. This mystery that Paul is talking about right now is the mystery of the gospel, of the love of God, of the grace of God, of Jesus on that cross to all those who believe. So Paul is speaking about this and he's saying, unless you understand the gospel, unless you have revelation of the gospel, none of these things will happen. So look what Paul is saying, church, pay attention. If I come here today and I try to preach to you for one hour, for two, three, five hours, and you still don't have revelation of God's grace, of Jesus' love towards you, of what he has done on that cross, of the price that he paid for you, my word is useless. What I'm saying is powerless. What I'm saying is meaningless. Paul is saying, I became a prisoner of Christ because of revelation. Because I had revelation of the grace of God. Because I had revelation of the love of God. Because I, have, I had revelation of Jesus on that cross. Because of revelation, we can respond to God. Can I tell you something? If all of us, thank you, thank you for lighting me. If all of us, if every single one of us, each single one of us here today were to have revelation, if we received revelation of God's grace, of God's love, of God's calling for us, and we became prisoners of Christ, Gave up our lives for the sake of the gospel. Revival would happen. Amen. Revival would break down in this city. Break out in this city. Can I tell you something? When we receive revelation of the gospel, the first thing that we want to do is go out there and preach the same gospel. We have about 100 people in this room right now. If 100 of us understood that we were called by grace and had revelation of this calling, revival would break out in this city. The greatest revival would break out in this city because of a hundred people who decided to respond to God and how they preach the gospel. They're opening life groups. 
they starting kids' life group out of nowhere. My wife started a kids' life group this last semester out of nowhere. She went to this place, this playground. She sat there. Kids show up. That's how she started kids' life group. People are thirsty for the gospel. And the church is too quiet. The church is too quiet. We need to make some noise. We need to, we need to experience persecution. We need to experience people wanting to throw rocks at us. We need to experience people coming at us. Not because we are coming at them, but because the love of Christ is so crazy. It's so amazing that they won't understand. Amen. So if all of us were to understand what's happening, if all of us were to understand the gospel, revival would happen in Jacksonville. Revival would break out in Fort Myers. Revival would break out all over Florida. And we would be known. By the greatest revival in history. Can I tell you something? If you go outside, you see the newspapers, there's a lot of bad things happening. We came up with that. Me and the decoration team, we came up with that idea. Some people were saying, don't put bad news on the newspaper. People take pictures of this. That's weird. And I said, I want them to read the bad news and say, now it's time to conquer. I want them to read the bad news and say, I'm called for these people. I want them to read the bad news and say, I'm a prisoner of Christ on behalf of these people. People are dying on the streets. People are struggling. People are going to depression. People are getting divorced. I'm called for these people. And in between the news, you will see a few news of revival. We found headlines of revivals that happened in the past. I want you to realize this. This is still reality for us at church today. Revival can happen in this city. And we, I'm not saying I want to make the headlines, but they will write about us. If you see the, the typewriting in the, in, in, in the front, in the lobby, you will see they saying, let's write history together. That's what I'm inviting you to do today. Let's write the history of Fort Myers together. Let's change this city. Let's conquer our families. Let's conquer our city. Let's conquer our schools. Let's conquer right now. Amen, Vine Church. Right now, it's time to conquer. So if you could stand up with me right now, I want to invite you to become a prisoner of Christ. I want to invite you today to become a prisoner of Christ. I want to invite you today to surrender to Jesus. I want to invite you today to do what God has called you to do. I want to invite you today to give up on your dreams, to give, to give up on your plans, to give up on your ideas and become a prisoner of Christ. Father, we're not prisoners of self. We're not prisoners of depression. We're not prisoners of loneliness. We're not prisoners of sickness. We are not, a, we are not prisoners of, the, of culture. We are not prisoners of the world. We are not prisoners of brokenness. We are prisoners of Christ. Father, so we pray today. I want you to close your eyes. And if you want to come forward, if you want to worship Lord, the Lord right here, if you want to receive prayer, I want to invite you to come forward. If you want to commit yourself once again to the Lord, if you want to say today that you are a prisoner of Christ, I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite you to come close to this stage. And we'll pray for you today. But I want to invite you to really make a decision today. Make, make, you know, make a decision to become a prisoner of Christ today. Say to the Lord, you can kneel down right here. You can kneel down before God. You can kneel down before Him and say, Jesus, I don't want to be a prisoner of self. I don't want to be a prisoner of my dreams. I don't want to be a prisoner of sickness. I don't want to be a prisoner of depression. I don't want to be a prisoner of anything else but you, Jesus. I'm not of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of culture, but I am a prisoner of Christ. 
So today, I, I choose to submit myself. I am free. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. So because of this freedom, I choose to be a prisoner of Christ.